The following program was brought to you by Yolo Kali, keeping it weird since 1997. Oh. Who's that? Who are you? You're not allowed to be in here. Hey, yo, somebody get their grandma. Huh? Ah! Ah! Now nah, you gotta do it like this. What's Up is back with another two hours of fully youth-produced content, tapping into the matters and concerns of youth in Chicago. As well as all the crazy, wacky, tea-sipping, gossip-spilling, weird shenanigans that we, youth, get up to. Listen to your own risk, because your mind might explode. The chances are low, but never zero. So strap in, and let's get into the show! Hey, this is What's Up on WLPN LP 105.5 FM Chicago Lumpen Radio. My name is Isha and the following audio pieces were inspired by the Nick Cave exhibition for Othermore at the MCA. They're personal pieces recounting an experience or lesson we've had or learned. Nick Cave is an artist who is most famous for a series of sound suits, intricate and vibrant sculptures that represent a suit of armor to protect the wearer from prejudice. There were a wide spectrum of sound suits there, from the first one made, a suit of twigs made after the police assault of Rodney King, to some of the latest suits after the police murdered George Floyd. After viewing the entire exhibit, we were tasked with creating an audio piece of our own to tell a story about ourselves in which we grew or saw something from a new perspective. This is Stories from the Cave. Sugar. Spice. These were the ingredients chosen to create the perfect little girl. But Professor Utonium accidentally added an extra ingredient to the concoction. Chemical X. Thus, the Powerpuff Girls were born! Using their ultra superpowers, Blossom, Bubbles, and Buttercup have dedicated their lives to fighting crime and the forces of evil! I started noticing blatant racism when I was around 11. It took so long to notice because growing up, it was everywhere. In telenovelas, TV shows, and movies. Growing up, I would watch colored characters be the villains or being made fun of for the way they would dress. Not only this, but in shows catered to younger kids, characters that were colored would always play a role with a stereotype of their race. Most recently, I was watching the movie Lemonade Mouth with a friend of mine. And oh boy, the stereotypes were everywhere. The brown girl Mo was portrayed to have parents that only cared about her homework, grades, college, and nothing else. The Mexican kid's parents practically begged him to be part of the soccer team at school. We should be aware that many of these shows and movies hold great influence on many kids like me. Rarely I saw someone that was Latinx being the main character. In my mind, I would convince myself that many of the characters in shows were Hispanic, even if it was not true. Thinking on it, during my last Christmas break, I spent time creating a painting where Powerpuff Girls were colored in all different shapes. I love the Powerpuff Girls. Growing up, I remember seeing them take down villains and aspiring to be like them. Seeing someone of color play class president, cheerleader, team captain, or superhero can push many POC kids to strive to do great things as they see someone they can relate to. Doing this can help kids watching shows believe they are capable of becoming something outside of the stereotype society has forced upon them. 
For myself, seeing Hispanic women in shows being at home taking care of kids caused me to only allow myself to see a future in that path. Later on, reading stories about the first women to do things opened my eyes to the endless possibilities for my future possible career. Having representation of people of color is really important for people though. There has to be a division between representation and absolutely putting the character in their stereotype. Though blatant racism isn't shown through TV shows, but through our everyday life. As when I opened my eyes to the issue of racism and stereotypes, I would say it was in middle school, in a drama class. My drama teacher made a group of six people to make a play in a few minutes. As much as I hated drama class, this situation made it worse. The white kid in the room recommended what other people should say as. The black kid was going to be the butler, the Asian kid was going to be the tutor, and he was just going to be the normal person. And I, the Hispanic, would be the caregiver. You really thought you ate? Give me that fucking plate. Honestly, I wanted to scream because, um, quite literally, we were put into a box instantly. Thankfully, we stood for ourselves and said no, and we had to think of something else. But like the fact he thought it was a great idea. It was annoying and irritating. Sadly, at school, I faced more racist comments than microaggressions in public. Standing up for others and myself in situations where we are stereotyped has made it feel like there has not been improvement in the world. But with the new Marvel character that is Michteka, the roots of the superhero are being appreciated. There have been many firsts for women as well recently, with the first African-American woman in Congress as well as the first woman vice president. This is what keeps me going. During health class one day, my teacher talked about how major life changes cause depression. Is being in a completely new environment and new school a major life change, I asked? He replied, yes, and I responded with, ah, so that explains it. Nick Cave's new exhibition, furthermore, discusses seeing or experiencing change for the first time and our reaction to that. During my first two years of high school, I found myself in a new environment. Seeing how I spent four years at Humble Park in a middle-class school, I was used to loud mornings, <laughs> sitting at lunch was obviously microwaved food, <laughs> and gym class that took place in a school basement. I didn't have a problem with any of it, as I felt comfortable in this environment surrounded with people just like me. However, entering high school changed all that as I decided to go to a high-class, elegant high school located in the suburbs. Instead of rush for mornings with traffic, I was instead going down the quiet streets of the suburbs. Lunch was freshly prepared but cost way too much, and the school was so popular in sports that they didn't have their own gym, but also a football, baseball, soccer, and track field. Going from a middle class school to something as big as this may seem fun, but not everything was how it seemed. Go back to your country. You don't belong here. That was said to me in barely the second week of school. Unlike my old school which was filled with diversity, this new one had a 90% Caucasian population rate. The other 10% was minorities such as myself. 
That incident was only the beginning of what would happen for the next two years. In gym class, I always made fun of my physical fatigue. At lunch, students always made fun of the leftovers I brought from home since I couldn't afford school lunch, and my entire homeroom seemed to have a problem with me. In fact, during the first day at school, a kid exclaimed EW when I was called up. I ain't know him at the time, and to this day I still don't know why he said EW. I wasn't like the other kids. I didn't have hundreds of followers on Instagram. I didn't keep up with the latest sports games, and I sure didn't have the money to experience all the stories they shared. The only friends I did have were minorities just like me. From talking about culture with my Hispanic friend Gio, to learning about Asian culture with my friend Simon, we formed our own little group called the Bench Group. We got the name because we went every morning in school on a bench playing games before class started. Them and my two online friends I played games with every weekend, Mateus and Christian, were the biggest reasons why I kept going. From waking up from 5 in the morning just to get to school on time, to using public transportation to get back home at 5, those fantastic friends that I made were the motivations to keep going. Senior year was terrible, and sophomore year showed some signs of improvement. The pandemic started with only two months left before the school year ended. Of course, we were all stuck inside during this time, and it allowed me to reflect. Tuition was going up, my parent lost her job due to COVID, and I didn't see how I could spend another two years at this place. To put the nail in the coffin, the honors and advanced courses I selected for junior year were rejected. With all this, I decided to transfer out, attend a new school, and just finish my last two years as quickly as possible. When I contacted the school for all of my information to transfer, they suddenly wanted to help. From constantly being asked on email to why I'm leaving, they made it seem like me leaving would make the building collapse. Nevertheless, I transferred schools in the middle of the pandemic, and although I loved the toxic environment, there were still challenges on the road ahead. Starting at a new school junior is odd, but it being entirely virtual is even odder. For an entire school year, not once did I step into the school in person. Instead, I looked into my computer screen for days, trying to hide my face from students. Being virtual made everyone awkward and distant, and aside from group and partner assignments, I talked to no one. To make matters even worse, my friends from my old school stopped talking to me as well, so I was alone. I was empty. There's a quote from a manga that goes, being empty means anything can fit inside you. This allowed me to also reflect on myself. For the past two years, I was in a horrible environment, and that environment made me horrible to other people. I was rude to people, hurt so many just to feel good about myself. In order to improve, I blocked off all social media, refrained from playing video games, and focused on quiet activities like drawing and reading. I did this for a whole month, and although it was very difficult, however, I can't recommend the experience enough. It feels so relaxing just blocking ne negativity from social media getting into new hobbies, and reflecting on yourself as a person. At the end of it all, though I wasn't perfect, I learned from my mistakes and apologized to as many people as I can. Some accepted it, others blocked me, but in the end, it was gratifying to finally say sorry. And in the end, this development allowed me to experience senior year as the best of all my high school years. Senior year, aka the final year of high school, for me, it was practically the first year, as it was my first time in the building. I didn't have any friends, and I was learning how the school worked. However, things weren't as bad as I imagined it, as I was greeted kindly on the first day by multiple students. The atmosphere here was great, it wasn't too fancy like the old one, and there were so many diverse students that I didn't feel like a minority. To make a long story short, senior year was perfect. Thanks to the learning from my mistakes, I made so many new friends, so much more than I could have ever imagined. I looked forward to going to school every day, even if there were quizzes and tests just to talk and hang out with everyone. At the old school, I didn't even dare to go to social events, yet here I was, not skipping any opportunities. Cairo, prom, senior events, sports games, I became so involved in a brand new environment. Nick Cave reminds 
reminds us about seeing and experiencing change. For me, it was a change in environment, a change in school life, a major life change. Change can be absolutely horrific, but ultimately, it can also lead to the happiest moments in our lives. Jeremiah. My audio piece is about facing the scary experience. Experiencing Father's Day took a turn for the worst this year. Hope you enjoy it to some extent. You never really understand how safe you are. Until danger looks you in the eyes. Father's Day, 2022. It was the last day of my dad's weekend. Me and my sister were scheduled to go to our mom's at around five. We decided to celebrate Father's Day at our grandpa's house with a lot of our family. It was fun seeing my cousins. Camille, I relate to a lot. Kino and Mello, I could goof off and play video games with. Ali, because she is precious and Andrew, the eldest, who I could ask for advice and occasionally talk to. I had just finished playing games with my cousins when Alex asked if we wanted to go to the park. We said yeah, the park would be fun, and it was my excuse to ask my dear Olivia to finally run with me as she promised me for my birthday one year ago. It was me, my little sister Calista, my tia and tío, Olivia and Alex, and their kids, Kino, Melo, and Ali. We walked past the boys and girls club all the way down to the rundown playground. We passed them to some of their kids celebrating Father's Day. Some of them were shirtless, others had interesting haircuts, but they didn't seem to be looking for trouble. One of the kids came up to us. He asked if we could borrow a soccer ball. My tío said sure, just be sure to return it. The kid thanked us and went to go play. I didn't really pay attention because I was having fun with my cousins. We were playing ball tag. You could only tag another person by throwing a soft ball. After a while, it was time to leave. We went to the kid to ask for our ball back. He said he was sorry. He had kicked the ball over someone else's fence. That's fine, I thought. I'll just go climb the fence and get it. A few of the other kids wanted to help me, so I said sure. They ran ahead as I walked across. Time seemed to slow down as I looked in confusion. It was too early for 4th of July, too early for fireworks. Why is the sound so close? Lest I checked there weren't any people here but us and the other dudes, and they didn't seem to have fireworks. Here's some weird sounding fireworks too. There isn't any crackle at the end of them. Wait, why are the kids running? I turn around and see the fathers of the children pulling out their guns and pointing them in my general direction. Oh. Those aren't fireworks. Those are gunshots. I'm getting shot at. Oh no. I start running, crouching as I do. I run towards my family. My tia is army crawling on the ground, ushering the kids to run behind the school building. My tío is there with them. I stay low to the ground with my tia and help her get up. We run behind the school. We stay in the corner of the building to recuperate and calm down. My cousins are shaken. 
My sister and my little cousin are crying. My tia has cuts on her elbow and hands from crawling on the rough concrete. And my tío is extra vigilant. We heard more behind us. But now it stopped. Three men came running past us. They were some of the fathers. They looked at us and apologized, saying they were so sorry about that and that they would never do something like that and they respect kids. My uncles humored them, accepting their apology. They ran off and one of them pulled out a phone to start talking. We walked home too. I felt pretty shaken regarding the whole thing. I lifted my shirt and looked everywhere to make sure I hadn't been hurt. I couldn't believe it. I had stood still, completely still, looking like a fool, for five gunshots, and none of them hit me. I'm still mad about my perception of the whole situation. When I had went to go get the ball and I heard the bangs, I legitimately thought that they were fireworks and I was so confused as to why the kids were running. And it was only when I looked behind me and saw that the fathers had drawn their pistols in self-defense that it really clicked for me. I was in a lot of danger and needed to get out. The situation was resolved. I don't know the specifics. I don't even know what led to it. What I do know is that this heavily affected the ones involved with it being my cousins, my sister, and my uncle and aunt, as well as me. My cousins ended up talking through it and resolving it. Same with me and my little sister. But, yeah. You never... There's one thing to talk about gun violence and to acknowledge that it's dangerous. It's another thing to actually experience it firsthand. After finishing my first year of college, I was finally home for the summer, driven back by my mom. Good feeling, if odd, with the usual bustle of Chicago replaced with the sleepy suburb I'd grown up in. I remember remarking on the fact that I wanted to wear more jewelry because my skin was bare in comparison to the roommates, neighbors, and friends that loaded their fingers with different rings and pierced themselves full of metal to achieve the looks that I envied. You could look through my jewelry, my mother offered, not looking up from her laptop to my usual rambling. You'd have to organize it, though. It's kind of messy. Sure, when I have time, I decided. Privately, I didn't want to take on the task. I'd rather just look through the drawers and take what I wanted. You have nothing but time, she snorted. She wasn't wrong. I wasn't doing much for those first few weeks of summer anyways. Doing nothing got boring eventually, so I decided to organize my mother's jewelry, a task neglected for the last 20 years. The bottom drawer of the large dresser drawer contained what I thought to be all of it. I took everything out of the drawer and designated the large Tupperware container that I vaguely remembered being the one to decorate with stickers in kindergarten to be the older of the ugly, chunky necklaces littered throughout. I grimaced as I sorted through what she had, what had to be the most unfashionable pieces to ever exist on the planet. Throughout the pieces that were deserving of only a cringe, I found earrings, bracelets, and other jewelry that was kind of cute. There were old handbags, none vintage or designer to my disappointment, and stacks of receipts, 
business cards, and other clearly ignored antiques. At the bottom right of the drawer, there was a hardcover, bound notebook dated to 2002, labeled Diary. As a nosy teenager, this piqued my interest to the extreme. I flipped open the cover to find a blank page. So I kept going. After every other odd page or so, I found writing. They were reminders to herself and phone numbers. This was, after all, an archaic age. No cell phones, minimal internet, and cable TV. Of course, people used notebooks for such menial tasks. Eventually, I reached a section wadded up with folded papers within two pages right in the middle of the diary. I started taking the pages out, gently uncrumpling them to set aside next to each other. The same trend of reminders and phone numbers were littered throughout the loose leaf sheets, but the majority had recipes scrawled in various colored inks. There were some dishes that I ate on a daily basis, and others I was only vaguely familiar with. My parents immigrated from India in their 20s for the prospect of a better life. Moving to a foreign country knowing only a few people and even less about the culture is a type of difficulty that I've never experienced. I can only imagine myself in their shoes, half the world away from my parents and everything I've ever known. I wonder how my mom got those recipes. Were they dictated over numerous phone calls home? Or did friends and family come over and she hastily copied down anything that were a reminder of their presence when they would leave? What has struck me now is that when I watch my mother cook those foods in the present, she never needs a guide to do so. I guess that's what happens when you grow up. Either the memories solidify or they leave well alone. I took a moment to skim through the rest of the notes. The reminders were clearly dated, but I started to truly look at the names attached to the phone numbers. In my inconsistent knowledge of my parents' past and present friends and acquaintances, I knew only a few names. In those moments, I could only think, you've lived a life before me, one that I will probably never know and experience. When I resumed the task I was set up to do in the first place, I finally saw the jewelry my mom had acquired over the years. For many people, I have to acknowledge that material possessions like jewelry are a luxury. My mom's were gifts and pieces she bought for herself. Keepsakes from a different life. I didn't end up taking any of her jewelry that day, and I still haven't. She's always made it a point to gift me a new piece every year, and I've chosen to buy what I want. I don't really wear a lot of jewelry on a daily basis anymore, but I'd like to make what I have my own. I'm grateful to my parents for deciding to come to the United States to provide a better life for me. While the new age of smartphones and FaceTime applications help maintain some contact, the frequency has been lost with the world over. I am only a fragmented part of a majority of my relatives and even present friends' lives. I hope to stay close with everyone who matters to me, but who knows, right? Only time will tell. The birds begin to chirp. The sun creeps into the blinds and makes its way to your face. It's your favorite time of the day. It's a time that reminds you that you're alive. The universe is either watching you or protecting you. At least that's what you learned while you were young. Adolescence is a weird thing because you're still figuring out so much about yourself, but also expected to have everything in your control 
everything planned out, and everything to not fall apart. It's difficult to admit that no one understands that you still feel that heavy weight of a summer day. You still taste the beautiful sound of a mariachi soothing your heart. And all you wish is to be set free. Sitting in a room that's filled with the Holy Spirit while they pray for your own salvation, when in reality, it was never about you to begin with. Not being able to live comfortably with who you are as a person is something that haunts you every day. There's no amount of music you can listen to, TV shows you watch, articles you read, and prayers you recite in your head over and over again that could ever cure or change the way you were born. I used to avoid the thoughts and feelings I had as a queer woman. Growing up as the oldest daughter in a Latin household didn't help either. It feels like Everyone in the world is expecting something from you, to follow the correct path in life, whatever that means. It's expected for you to obey parts of your life and follow guidelines in order to succeed. But in my opinion, these guidelines feel a bit like shoving me off the edge of a cliff to failure. Not understanding parts of yourself that you now love about yourself feels exactly like those moments when you revisit a song you used to love but then find a deeper connection and love for it years later. For a part of my life, I felt like I was robbed of the experience to grow, to love, and to learn, and it just wasn't because I was hiding a part of myself. But there's something that many of us dismiss in this life, and it's the trauma we go through. Now let me take you to my favorite place. My feet sink in and hold the warmth of the sand as every single grain begins to stick to my skin. The sun is shining and it feels like a blanket over my heavy heart. The water clashes together and slowly dances in a pattern that I can hear. When I was younger, Maita taught me that nature can speak to you. I started to grow a love for the summertime, the warm weather, and the beauty of what was in front of me. For what felt like forever, I felt as if I was taking for granted the beauty of it all. It's not easy to escape the thought, but now instead of watching from inside the house, I began dancing with the water. That's what it feels like when you finally embrace yourself as who you are. Growth starts when you start to listen and observe the moments that have been occurring right in front of you.
Hello, my name is Miriam, and my audio piece talks about anxiety. I told this story in a poetic way, describing what anxiety may feel like. If you hear rain, it's all part of the show. After a storm, there's sometimes a really nice outcome. Hello, hello? Ever felt the feeling of nervousness, danger, and just not feeling easy? Anxiety, that's what they call it. Have you ever felt it before? What does it feel like? And when did you get it? How do you cope with it? Anxiety, bothered, concerned, panicking, shaking, thinking, sadness, surrounds, silence, smile, breathing, coping, understanding, relaxing, proud, brave, calm. I have anxiety, aka my new buddy that I have now grown with and trying to understand how to cope with it. I have a few tips that help me and hopefully will help you as well. Tip number one would be breathing. Um, really try to breathe. It can help you relax if you're crying or possibly shaking. Try to drink water if you feel like you're up to drink because a lot of people could feel a lot of tightness on their chest, which is okay. It's normal. Try questioning yourself, like what color is the sky or what color is the grass? It can help you really distract your mind from whatever negative emotions that you're feeling. Last but definitely not least is try to remind yourself that this feeling that you're going through, it, it's okay to feel it. And when you're done feeling this way, try to treat yourself to something that makes you feel accomplished. Like, yay, I really did that. I just want to give a reminder that a lot of people cope with things so differently than I do. But once again, this is how I cope with my body anxiety. And I hope this helps you too whenever you're feeling this way. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What the, what the heck just happened? Can anybody hear me? Um, okay, I'm kind of free. I don't know what's happening, but brain, help me? Hey, Diego, it's getting boring in without you. Who's, th- who's talking? What do you mean who's talking? I'm the guy who helps you in every single situation. How am I talking to you? How am I talking to you? Well, this shouldn't be possible, but... Well, where am I? Where are we at? What, what's Relax. happening? Relax, please. You're not gonna understand this. But you died. What do you mean? What? How are you gonna tell me I died? I was just live two seconds ago. What do you mean I'm dead? What do you? What do you mean I'm dead? How? How you? I was just alive. I was driving two seconds ago. Yeah, you got into a fatal car accident, actually. This is. What do you? Yeah, no, this can't be true. This can't be true. I was just alive two seconds ago. What do you mean? You're asking how, but you know how you always overwork yourself because you want to get make money. The paper thing. Yeah, you slept on the road and then whoosh, you crashed. Blew up your but, car. But what, what about my mom? What about my sisters? What's going to happen to them? How do I even know you're telling the truth? Are you sure I'm just not asleep? What, what's happening? So, listen, you've died in a fatal car accident. 
and I'm glad you're asking about your mom and your loved ones. But listen up, it's kind of a good thing you died because. Well, uh, how do I word this without sounding mean? Well, your mom thought you were gonna be an absolute bum, and nobody in the family really liked you. So, you were kind of the black sheep of the family. Nobody expected you to accomplish anything. Nobody expected you to do anything with your life. So, think about it like this. Ah, oh, the pressure in your mind. Ah, oh, the pressure oh. everywhere. Oh. It's gone. Poof, just How like that. You know so, that? You, should, you should probably thank me. Because I helped you. In a way. Oh. I guess. But, so, what are we doing here? I said I did that. What are we doing here? What's happening? Well... Well, thank you for relaxing, first of all, but we're here just to explore some of your core memories. Maybe help you understand yourself better before you go on to the next life. So, follow me, we're gonna, we're gonna take a little trip. Just follow me, man. We're gonna take a little trip to one of your first core memories. Uh, you might remember it. You might not. You will, but you know what I mean. Follow me, well, let's go. I guess. Alright, let's just go. What's through that door? It's a core memory, idiot. All you gotta do is open the door and walk through it. And we'll be, we'll be able to see a core memory. So I just open the door and there's gonna be a core memory inside? Basically, I just ex I just said that. What, are you too scared to open the door? It's not that I'm, it's not that I'm scared. It's, it's that I, I don't trust you. What do you, you tell me I died. You say my mom my sisters don't care for me. How do I know you're telling the truth? What? <laughs> well, I guess we just open the door, and you see that I'm telling the truth. It's not that hard. Just a leap of faith, Diego. Well, okay. okay. Yeah. 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 I'll open the door. Leap of faith. Why you say that, weirdo? No time for relaxing, and y'all really thinking not? No time for relaxing, and y'all really thinking I ain't got the passion? No time for relaxing, and y'all really thinking I ain't got the passion? You better strap in the time for the action, cause hate is love, just to fill my cup. Uh. Cause hate is love, just to fill my cup, just to break it up again. Round up the round, I can shake it up again, laugh it about. Yeah, yeah. No fake feeling love for doubt. No. Time for relaxing, and y'all really thinking I got the passion? You better strap in the time for the action, cause haters love just to fill my cup, just to break it up again. Round it around, I can shake it up again. Oh, okay. Mira, ya bájala tu porquería de música. Todo el tiempo estás con la música y la música y no dejes de escuchar nada, ni la tele, ni nada. No, hombre, contigo. ¿Qué no entiendes que le bajes, Diego? Todo el tiempo te la pasas en ese cochino radio. ¿Puedes bajarle un poquito un momento? ¿Un segundo, no sé? Día y noche te la pasas ahí, sorry, llegas al trabajo y a pura música, pura porquería de música, nada más te la pasas ahí. Ay, contigo ya. Estoy hasta la fregada contigo ya. Puedes bajarle ya cochinada. No. Puro Mac Miller y no sé qué fregado. No sí. Eminem y okay. pa la porra. Hijo okay. de la fregada. Ok. Okay. Okay, ma. No te escuchar. Okay, ma. Sorry. 